Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. If you are uh, uh, involved with people, close proximity with people, if you're not very, very careful, something begins to happen in your inner being and uh, you're turned into a cynic. You, uh, uh, in the process of time, begin to see hypocrisy. You begin to be betrayed by friends that uh, perhaps you have, uh, uh, that you've uh, embraced. Uh, you become negatively affected by the events of life, disloyalty and all these things. And something begins to lay hold of you. And if you're not very careful, you become a cynic. Uh, I clipped out a very interesting little uh, article and this was written by a philosopher named Diogenes. And when he was asked why he was begging for alms from a statue, he said to get in practice in being refused. <laughs> Another author, uh, Mary MacArthur, uh, McCarthy, says if someone tells you he's going to make a realistic decision, you immediately understand that he is resolved to do something bad. And then it's Alexander Pope who said, Blessed is the man who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. That was a ninth beatitude, he said. In the book of John, we have a very interesting uh, passage of scripture. We have a man who has become a cynic. And he has a wonderful encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I want to read John 1, verse 43 for a moment and talk to you about a cure for cynicism. Verse, verse 43, John's Gospel. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, we found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you the son of God, you're the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. I want to talk to you about cynicism for a few minutes and the cure thereof. And first of all, I need to talk to you about the twisting of uh, human personality. Now, the Bible gives us a picture that uh, is very distinct. Uh, 
And the Bible uses uh, 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 the word wicked. If you are a Bible student and you look at a Strong's Concordance that uh, uh, correlates uh, all these words, you find one complete page that is scriptures uh, using this word uh, wicked. In the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 15, uh, the scripture says that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault uh, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, this word wicked has a, a connotation that we need to think about for a moment because uh, it conveys to us an image. Now, uh, builders, when uh, builders build with timber and they're, they're just about moving now into uh, metal studs, but uh, uh, traditionally, builders have built with wood. And an interesting thing about wood is if wood is not fully cured and it's put and installed when it's green, it quite frequently, then when it cures, it, it, it develops a twist. I, uh, we, uh, we had a church in Prescott, Arizona, and it's on Roost Street, and uh, we built that in 1972. And uh, uh, we added an addition on, I think, in 1974. And if you sat on that, on that side and looked at the ceiling there, uh, there was a distinct lump that came out. It bowed down the sheetrock. I don't know what you call it in Australia, but the sheetrock, gypsum board, I think it is, was, uh, was uh, distinctly uh, 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 dipped down. And the reason is that one of the ceiling joists, uh, the lumber was not uh, fully cured. And when it did cure, it came out and you could see a lump in there. We left it in there. We sold the building. I suppose it's still there. But at any rate, it was a very distinctive. And this is the picture of this word twist. This is a picture of this word wicked. Is that it's a, a personality that's become twisted because of the events of life. Anyone who deals with human personality have a great danger. This is a danger in churches because we have close personality. We uh, associate together. This is true of anyone who is any public service, deals with people. If you're not very careful, you can become a cynic uh, and uh, this attitude lay hold of you. And I want to examine this man uh, because it's, gonna, uh, it's going to convey to us uh, a tremendous dimension that is of great uh, uh, encouragement. Nathaniel had been impacted by life. If you look at verse 46, when the news comes to him, we found him whom Moses spoke. It is Jesus of Nazareth. He said these words, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now that's a very, very profound saying. And the commentators make a statement about Nazareth. Nazareth at that time was a little city of about 500 people. That's a very small city. But uh, the commentators say Nazareth this time was become so abandoned morally that no good thing could be expected from any of those who dwelt uh, in it and uh, that this wickedness had passed into a proverb. And that's what Nathaniel is using. Can any good thing come out uh, of uh, Nazareth. Now, if you're a cynic, you're probably saying uh, where you are, can any good thing come out of it? I know that when my wife and I moved into Lockridge, everybody, Lockridge? <laughs> can any good thing live in? Well, Lockridge is just common people like you and I. They work at jobs, they have homes. Uh, and, uh, but if you're not very careful, you see, 
You can become seized with this. And Nathaniel had become a cynic. He'd become twisted in a part of his personality. And he, he, he looked at Nathaniel because he saw someone in which was a quality of character and personality. And he was such a contrast with the generation in which he lived. In verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and he said to him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Now, uh, or guile. Now, guile, uh, deceit, is a very interesting word. Uh, if you're a Bible student, you need to make a study of that word because it's going to bear on what we're talking about because it's a deadly element uh, in human personality. Deceit, uh, literally, uh, it means to be operating in such a manner as to deliberately cause another to come to a false conclusion based on false appearance and false information. Now, I grew up in Prescott, Arizona. Some of the happiest days of my life uh, was fishing uh, when I was a boy. We used to catch a ride out to a lake that uh, is out there. And uh, it's, it wasn't a huge lake, but it, uh, it had a wonderful little fish. Uh, you could catch a, catch a tub full of them. and They wouldn't make a meal, but it was sure fun to fish for them. But I learned very early a lesson about catching fish. Uh, we used worms. And so uh, I, I discovered that fish are, are created with a little dimension in them. And unless you take the worm and you put it on the hook very carefully and, uh, and uh, cover up the barb, the fish will not bite. In other words, uh, what you're doing is you are presenting them a juicy, wonderful worm. And when they bite on it, suddenly they're caught uh, and they're pulled out of the water. Now, that's a picture of this word deceit. It means to cover over the reality of what is there. And actually, this word uh, deceit literally means, and the root of it is to catch fish uh, by bait. So let's look at our text for a moment uh, because uh, uh, both the devil and his agents are experts uh, in deceit. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, But I fear, lest uh, somehow as a serpent deceived or beguiled Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted uh, from the simplicity uh, or the singleness or the transparency uh, that is in Christ. Something happens to a person uh, when this begins to lay hold of them. This wickedness uh, begins to grip their heart, this grip, wickedness, uh, and it causes an instability of their soul uh, and of their heart. In Second Peter 2, 14 and 15, uh, they've forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved uh, the wages of uh, of unrighteousness. So in other words, something's happened to a person, and that is that they use their religion as a cover for their own deceit and their own, their own sinful heart. And something happens to them, and as they begin to circulate in, in, in society, they begin to cause an effect. And that had happened in this, this place when Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He'd become a person who'd come to conclusion that nothing good. This was a proverb that was used. This group of people were so wicked. When Pilate was dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ and he was brought to him, and Jesus is talking with Pilate. He, uh, uh, during the conversation, uh, uh, Jesus talks about truth. Uh, and Pilate answered back, truth. What is truth? The reason is that the land was so filled with religion 
And uh, this uh, religion was uh, hypocritical. Uh, this uh, religion had become strict. It had uh, misrepresented God uh, and who God is in his grace and favor. Uh, and during that period of time, Pilate, who ruled in the land uh, and had the oversight uh, uh, for the Roman occupation, uh, had seen so much of this, uh, he'd become a total cynic. He said, True. what is truth? If you're not very careful tonight... Uh, you can allow the circumstances of life to uh, begin to affect you and you become a cynic uh, and you automatically come to conclusions about people uh, and about personality. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment about uh, uh, the danger of religious uh, deception. Jesus alludes constantly in the Bible uh, and makes uh, allusions to this and he talks about a singleness of eye. That's a very, very interesting statement, uh, and I want to uh, call your attention to that. There is a practice uh, in the world of iridology. Iridology is a, an occult science uh, that uh, believes that you can look into a person's eyes and you can diagnose uh, disease uh, and uh, lack of, uh, of uh, proper nourishment and so on and so forth by the eye. There is undoubtedly some truth to that. If, you, uh, if you've been to a doctor, he probably has taken this little thing, shined in your eyes and looked at that. So there is some truth to that. However, uh, iridology is an occult science, uh, and uh, and uh, it uh, it uh, it begins to go off on a tangent, uh, and it's not truly uh, uh, it's not truly scientific, nor it's not true true medical science. So there's a spiritual parallel, and that spiritual parallel of an unhealthy eye is used by the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew six uh, twenty two and twenty three. He says, "The lamp of the body is the eye." If therefore your eye is good or single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now he's talking here about the twisting of personality that's caused a person to be a deceiver or to be deceived. Verse 47, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Now, Adam Clark makes an interesting comment, uh, and uh, he begins to comment on this passage of Scripture. He said, in whom is no guile. Deceitfulness ever has been and still is the deeply marked uh, characteristic of the Jewish people. To find a man living in the midst of such corruption... Walking in uprightness before his maker was a subject worthy the attention of God himself. Behold this man, and while you see and admire, imitate his conduct. So what we're dealing with then tonight is a, a, a facet of human personality, and we need to examine that very carefully, make very sure that we are not involved because what we're dealing is a religious masking, which is a cloak for soulish agenda. In Matthew 23 and verse 15, Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you've uh, uh, traveled a uh, land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he's won, you make him uh, twice as much uh, a son of hell uh, as you uh, yourself. This whole chapter actually is an indictment uh, against this twisting of character uh, which produces this cynicism uh, in other people, uh, and we want to examine that. There is uh, what I uh, have referred to as the Nigerian 
factor. Now, if you're from Nigeria, don't give me the mean eye. Stay with me till I get through. Okay. I don't hate Nigerians. However, uh, if you've ever been to Nigeria, <laughs> if you've ever been to Nigeria, you know immediately what I'm talking about. Because there's something about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the character of the Nigerian people that if they're not saved and born again, uh, is very, very deceitful. How many of you know what the Nigerian factor is? Let me see your hand. All right. You already have experienced that. Uh, they say that crime in Nigeria uh, has plunged. Uh, and the reason for all the crims are in the Internet cafes scamming, uh, 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 scamming uh, Germans and English and Australians and American and Canadians because they've learned the scams of writing letters to get money from stupid people. And so the crime rates fall on street crime because they're all in the Internet cafe. So be that as it may, at any rate, uh, there's this strange little twisting, and I call it the Nigerian factor, uh, and uh, it, uh, uh, it, is, uh, it is very interesting. I went to Nigeria some years ago, uh, preached uh, crusades in Lagos and uh, Benin and, uh, and Kaduna, and uh, it's very interesting as we went into, uh, we went into uh, Lagos and drove down to Benin uh, that uh, uh, I had asked them before I went. I'd never been to Nigeria. And I said, uh, how's the weather? And I think it was September, October. I can't remember. It said uh, that this is the only time frame I have. I can, no problem. It's great. When we landed in Lagos, it was steady, steady rain. And so all the way to Benin, it's steady, steady rain. And so I said to the driver, I said, uh, is this normal weather? Oh, yeah. I said, this monsoon season rains all the time. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble right then. <laughs> there, we were scammed from, from the first day to the last day we went out of there. Uh, we were scammed. The largest church in the world is in Nigeria. It seats 54,000 people. Now, in Prescott, our church will seat legally about 1,000 people. So 54 times the size of Prescott, it seats 54,000 people. Let me read you a little commentary on a service of this largest church as we're talking about deceit. The Reverend Felix Omabudi, who urges the crowd to dream big. There are so many dream killers around, he said, don't let them kill your dream. He was talking about me. Omabudi prophesies, your tomorrow will be better than today. Next year, you will take your place. The crowd is thrilled. Omabudi promises that women will find husbands. That will draw a crowd. I said, that will draw a crowd. Women will find husbands. Audience members will buy new cars. That'll draw a crowd. And the barren will not just have babies, they will bear twins. To open themselves to this blessing, Omabudi encourages the crowd to give 25,000 naira, this is about 200 U.S. dollars. Local school teachers earn only $150 a month, so the amount is significant. Yet more than 300 people swarm Omabudi, who rubs oil from a bowl on their palms, and within minutes, the church nets a tax-free $60,000. Now, this is deceit. You're not going to come and bring an offering to God. And by that offering, God's going to give you a new car. You're not going to come and bring an offering to God. And he's going to give you a husband as much as you would like that. 
You're not going to come and uh, give an offering and uh, God is going to give you twins as a result of that. That is a perversion. And yet, here in this deceit, in this culture, here's a church that seats 54,000 people. And the reason they built it is they needed a building that big to seat 54,000 people who are responding to this uh, from a deceit that's coming. Here's the twisty. If you're not very careful in life, uh, you can become very cynical. Can you say amen? So let's look for a moment uh, uh, because Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2 through 5, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, we live in a world that this goes on. And uh, if you've been a Christian very long, you may have been exposed to this kind of deceit because that's pure exploitation. That is pure deceit. But I want to tell you, that has no, uh, uh, that, that, has, uh, that's, that, that doesn't mean that you should not believe in the living God who is the purity, the holiness, the truth, the, the righteousness. Uh, don't let this world turn you into a cynic. Let's think for a moment uh, about the cure for cynicism, uh, and that is heaven's opened. I want to lock your mind in on this statement here, because what we have is an allusion to the dream that Jacob had uh, when he was on his way up to Haran, uh, Uncle Laban's house in Turkey today. As he was on his way, the Bible relates to us that he spent the night, uh, and as he spent the night in Bethel, uh, God appeared to Jacob in a dream, and as he appeared to him in a dream, he saw a ladder going up into heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon this ladder, and God spoke to him and said, Jacob, I'm going to be with you when you go up there. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide for you food and clothing and all the blessings of life. Uh, and he had this wonderful visitation. Uh, as a result of that, he rose up and said, God, if you're going to do that uh, for me, Genesis 28, I will give the tent to you. Uh, and I'm going to call this place the house of God. And he poured oil uh, on that rock and consecrated it uh, and memorialized it uh, in Bethel as the house of God. Now, let's examine the issue here for a moment. Here's God's going to give him provision, going to give him protection. He said, I'm going to be with you. He's going to give him his presence, uh, his presence to go with him, God's presence. He's going to favor him in life's uh, uh, various factions, in the uncertain issues of life and circumstances. And he says, I'm going to bring you back to this land in your destiny. Now, remember, this is Jacob. The reason that Jacob's traveling Stay with me very closely. The reason that Jacob is traveling because he has just snookered his brother and he's running for his life. He has not only purchased his birthright, but he's deceived his father and stolen the blessing that he was going to give to Esau. And as a result of that, Esau says to him, Daddy's getting old, and as soon as he dies, I'm going to kill you. 
And so mama and Jacob say, see, there's danger here. And so she said, you, you go quickly. You go up to Uncle Laban's house up in Turkey and uh, you lay out for a while and this will all cool down. And uh, this, is, this is this man. His very name means heel grabber. His very name means uh, uh, tripper. His very na- name means deceiver. That, that's, he, this is his nature. He's on, a, he's on a travel because this has brought him. He's running for his life up there. Uh, and God meets him right in the middle of that and says, this is what I'm going to do for you, Jacob. That ought to encourage you this, morning, uh, this evening sitting in this building. Uh, don't blink at me like that. So I don't need that. Yes, you do. <laughs> you desperately need uh, the grace and the mercy of a God uh, who is willing to work with you and bring you to a glorious destiny from that which you would naturally come to. Okay, this is the man. This is the, this is the setting we have. This is fulfilled tonight. That's what is alluded to in this passage of Scripture. This is fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. And here he is. The Scripture says he's the promised Messiah. John 1.45, John 1.49, we found him of whom Moses wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. And when he meets him, he said, you are the son of God. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus Christ is the answer for you. I don't care what your character is tonight. I don't care what your trouble is tonight. I don't care how life has warped you or has scarred you. I want to tell you, you say, well, Pastor Mitchell, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what my husband has done to me. You don't understand what my wife has done. You don't understand. I'm mad at God. I want to tell you, uh, God can change the circumstances of your life in a moment of time. This is the illusion that Jesus uh, speaks out concerning this man. And let's look at this revelation for a moment. Verse 51 He said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Heaven's opened for believers. As as, uh, Daryl took the offering tonight, he talked about heavens being open. And interesting uh, that here is the promise of God uh, because what he's talking about is God being experienced uh, in a daily basis. Christianity is not just some place that we gather together, we sing religious songs, we talk about religious verbiage. I want to tell you, Christianity is a relationship with a living God. Thank God for that, can you say amen? Who has power, hallelujah, who has grace to pour out upon human personality. And as we see this statement made, you can have an experience with God on a daily basis in a supernatural and a glorious dimension. And you must be touched by God tonight. If you're not touched by God tonight, there is no hope for you. But the promise that we have is that God has opened heavens in the person of Jesus Christ and promises you that he will reach down and touch you. And this is a personal lesson. Look at verse 48 that we read. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, we don't know what that was. 
But whatever it was that uh, Philip had said to God or had talked about or had prayed about under the fig tree, uh, Jesus is bringing that. It just happened to him. uh, And as he comes, uh, he said, I saw you under the fig tree. The moment he said that, Nathaniel knew he's having an encounter with someone who knows everything about him and has read his heart's beat and said, I saw you when you're under the fig tree. And immediately, Nathaniel says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. Think with me for a moment as I conclude. Twice in this chapter, it gives us a revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it tells us twice in this chapter that he knows the deepest secrets of our heart. It's a sobering sobering thought. I don't know you. I know about a few of you. But Jesus Christ knows you intimately and knows the deepest secrets and emotions of your heart. He knows all that you have been involved in. And the wonderful news is he loves you still. That's the glorious revelation that comes in spite of what you are, what you have been, He loves you still and wants to help you. And this is what you really need tonight as you're in this place. Nathaniel not only is cured of his cynicism, but in a moment's time, he has an experience in a spiritual dimension with the very son of the living God that cures his cynicism and brings him a blessing. Think about this statement. The angels of God ascending and descending. He's not talking about you can stand and say, wow, isn't that wonderful? And you'll be amused by that. He's talking about your need tonight. He's talking about your heart's cry. He's talking about the anguish of your soul. He's talking about the sin that does so easily beset you. He's talking about the doubts that you have. He's talking about the scars that life has put upon him. He's talking about the twisting of your personality that life has brought. And he's bringing you the news that he knows about that. And in one moment, he can heal that. uh, And he can bring you the blessing that God will pour upon you from heaven. I want every eye closed, every head bowed. The cure for cynicism. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. 
And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.